Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra. Today, we'll be listening to a recent conversation with Pastor Mike Robertson of Visalia First Assembly in Visalia, California. Pastor Mike's latest book, Dealing with Difficult People, provides insightful tips on how we can utilize the challenging relationships in our lives to become the people God has created us to be. Leaders, you won't want to miss this one because all of us have to deal with difficult relationships at some point. Let's take a listen and learn how to make the most of these connections. Without further ado, uh, I'm so excited uh, to get this Q&A started. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Mike Robertson at a pastor's retreat in Puerto Rico at the beginning of this year. Uh, and I was very impressed not only by, by uh, what a sharp leader he is, what a, what a, what a what a what an anointed pastor he is, but also by how funny he is. He's a very he's a very humorous gentleman, and I think uh, if you know him, you know what I'm talking about. If you, and if you don't, even through his book, you're going to get a little bit of, of of Mike's heart and his and his humor as well. Uh, he is the husband to Karen. He is the lead pastor of Visalia First Church in Visalia, California. He's the author of eight books and counting. He is the man of the hour. Mike Robertson. Hey, Pastor Mike, we are so excited to hear about this new book. Thanks for being here with us. We're excited to hear uh, what you have for us today. Thank you, Virgil. Um, what a blessing it is to be with you guys. And uh, uh, you keep bragging on me like that, Virgil. I'm going to have to come work for you one of these days. Um, <laughs> I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. Hey, uh, I just want to say a word of thanks to everybody that uh, is listening to us right now taking out some time in your precious day um, to talk about difficult people. Um, the premise of this book is that uh, all of us have a difficult person in our life. And right now, if I ask you the question, do you have any difficult people in your life? Boom, boom, boom. You start saying yes, yes, yes. You count more than one. But the conundrum is this. Have you ever thought that you may be the difficult person? Have you ever thought you may be someone else's difficult person? So what I've tried to do with this book is get you to look outside the window at the difficult people in your life, but at the same time, look at a mirror uh, at your own difficulties and come to the realization that maybe the problem is is me. Maybe the problem is myself. And I think that's my biggest premise for this book is if I can fix me, uh, then I can look at people a whole lot differently in the world. Because I think half of our problems are the way that we look at life. And um, so I got a lot to say about that in the book, Virgil. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to help today, but I'm going to help somebody because uh, I've had a lot of experience with a lot of difficult people, and um, uh, I've learned a lot. I've always said to people, you know, I've learned more from a bad boss than I have a good boss. Uh, a bad boss may be difficult. You may be having a bad boss right now, but uh, trust me, if you can just hold on work through it, let God forge some character down on the inside of you. One of these days you'll be on a platform and man, you will be like a bright shining star because you work through the difficulties of your life. So, you know, I could go on and on Virgil. I, uh, if that's what you would like me to do, I can just keep talking all day long about difficult people because I'm not one of them. 
I'm not one of them. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because when we were having a conversation in preparation for this Q&A, one of the questions I asked you was, um, you, you know, Mike, who, who did you write this book for, right? And I think the question is, you know, the, the, the answer is obvious, but why don't you touch on that? Who, who do you think this book is for? Well, I, <clears throat> you know, we, when you write a book, you always try to figure out your target audience. Um, but the target audience on this book is everybody, everybody, because um, the, um, if the teenager uh, in the household, the, 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 the businessman that's got a corporation of 100 employees, everybody has a difficult person in their life. And the thing about it is, is sometimes we confuse uh, relationships. And I think a lot of our difficulties come from the fact we don't understand the different types of relationships. Uh, I put it very simply. There are like uh, three or four different types of friends in your life. Uh, first one is friends for a reason. You see, God put every one of us in our family union. It's, it's amazing why God chose to put some people in that family union and that family union, but it is what it is and it is for a reason. So I have to learn from my friends for a reason. I can't leave my family. They're there. I uh, may not like them right now, but, um, and, and as I put up, pointed out in the book, my dad was a rough motor scooter. He beat the hound out of us. And uh, he was a World War II um, army vet. And he fought on the front lines in Europe and he was a drill sergeant. And he just thought that was the best way to raise kids. So um, I was raised in the Bible Belt. Uh, and I don't know if you know why it's called the Bible Belt, but if they can't get Jesus in your heart with the Bible, they're going to beat the devil out of you with that belt. And I grew up with a very difficult dad, but that was for a reason. And what we don't learn in the family context, we have to learn that in the next season. Therefore, we get friends for a season. You have friends for a reason, and then you have friends for a season. I live not too far from Oakland. Uh, the Oakland Raiders are, they have this thing called Raider Nation. Man, when football uh, starts up, those guys go crazy. And for a season, everybody's best friends because they are in the Raider Nation. And that uh, friends for a season, uh, they, you, you may get involved in a political campaign somewhere. You may be uh, wanting to uh, vote your perfect candidate in and you'll, you'll get some friends for a season. But after the election, that sort of fades and uh, uh, which takes us to a different arena of friends because we're all looking for friends for life. Can we ever find a friend for life? And I think that... Uh, that's the purpose of it all is that God wants us to have friends for life. But I think sometimes, you know, we, we put too much weight on our friends for life. I like to look at it like this, uh, deep and wide. We, we all long for those really, really deep, deep, deep relationships. But I think that thinking is off a little bit. I even wrote about it a little bit. Everybody needs a 2 a.m. friend in the morning that you can call. But um, uh, that's not so much a deep relationship to me. It's, it's more wide. Why don't we have more friends on a wide basis? Maybe they don't go so deep, but I have more friends because uh, 
I, I didn't have to go deep with so many because my friends meet different needs in my life. I have friends I love to hang out with and go to the movie. I have friends I love to, to go to church with. I have friends I love to go eat with. And uh, if we can just have more friends go wide rather than deep, I think these friends for life, I think the possibility of having more friends for life uh, is, is a greater possibility. But let me, let me give you the, the biggest one that I wrote about in this book. We have friends for a reason, friends for a season, friends for life, but friends, friends of treason. You cannot get into your destiny until you have been betrayed. <laughs> Jesus could not have got to Calvary without Judas. Uh, Joseph in the Old Testament could have never become the second man in charge of all of Egypt had it not been for his knucklehead family. I mean, those boys were something else. Um, and David could never have gotten to be the king and the master songwriter that he was had he not passed the test of the most difficult person in the world, King Saul. I mean, King Saul sent the Navy SEALs after David. Can you imagine that? Uh, you think you got problems, just wait till the special forces come looking for you. Man, you'll be hiding like Osama bin Laden. But um, I tell you what, it's those friends. And, and the reason I say that is because when Jesus kissed, uh, when Judas betrayed Jesus, and uh, he, Judas came up and identified Jesus with a kiss on the cheek, and Jesus called him friend. Friend. He was a friend of treason. And Jesus could not have gotten to the cross without Judas. And the cross was his destiny. His, the cross was the purpose he was placed on the planet. So I'm telling you, there are people in your life, you may think they're the devil, and they can be. But maybe God is using them to get you into your destiny. So don't confuse those. Don't confuse, um, uh, and a lot of people confuse those. I, uh, my, my family, you know, uh, I love my family, but I've moved away from them now. Uh, send friends for a season. Uh, both of those are like scaffolding on a building. When you see a new building going up, there is scaffolding that is uh, going to stay on the outside of that building and pretty much until they get the building finished. I like to think of my friends of a season and my friends of a reason like the scaffolding. But one day, those, that scaffolding has to come down. One day, uh, my friends for a reason, my friends for a season will go by the wayside maybe. Hopefully, I've gained a couple of friends of life for life out of that. But uh, the one that I keep my eye on are the difficult people like Judas's, like King Saul and David's, uh, Joseph's brothers, because that's the one I think that is making me who I really am forging character down on the inside of my soul, and I'm becoming the person that God wants me to be because of that. But so let, so let me just say a couple more things, Virgin. I, I'll pitch it over to questions because I think that our biggest problem becomes when we have misplaced expectation. Misplaced expectation. We have all these expectations that this friend is going to meet all of my needs. Hey, come on. There's nobody going to meet all your needs. Matter of fact, that's a major insecurity on your part to think that people are going to meet your need. I live to the audience of one. That's my Lord Jesus Christ. And if I please him and I'm living for him, he's going to meet all of my needs. 
And if I, if I don't have to go deep with all of my relationships, but I go wide, many people can meet certain needs in my life. But my, my, my expectations are what messes me up because uh, an unrealized expectation, uh, uh, when it, that's, that's what brings disappointment in our lives. We had a high expectation, somebody let us down, and we're so disappointed now because we had this high expectation. But I say, lower your expectations. I don't have a whole lot of expectations about people because I know how screwed up I was when I was on the other side of the cross. And I know that all of us are just human beings. We're trying to do our best, but I give people a whole lot of rope. I give a whole lot of um, freedom to people to mess up in their lives simply for the fact that I know we're all trying to be better. So if you don't have misplaced expectations and I can set my mind better, I never expect a dog to meow. I never expect a cat to bark. Why? Because they weren't meant for that. I'm, I, my expectations would be improper if I expected something out of a dog he's not able to give. Uh, uh, God is never going to ask me to be Asian. Uh, I'm not an Asian. I, uh, God's never going to ask me to change my ethnicity. I can't. Uh, see, there's certain expectations that you and I have that God never had those expectations. Someone told me one time, he said, you know, your expectations of yourself are much higher than God's expectations of you. You need to go back to God and get, get, get the heart of God and realize that he doesn't have the same expectations. Let me say one last thing, Virgil, is the boundaries when we do not, I wrote about this in the book, when we do not have the proper boundaries in relationships, we really get messed up. I see it all the time. People are so hungry for relationship, say for a couple of single people and, and they meet each other and, and they go on the first date and uh, you've got to keep your boundaries. You know, there are guardrails set along the side of the road for a reason. Those guardrails are not right at the edge. They're a little bit away from the edge to make sure you don't go over the edge. You have to have those boundaries in your life. For example, you go out on the first date and both of you go home and all of a sudden the young lady thinks she'll just start sending um, nude photos of herself to her date for the first time. Man, how you screwed up the boundary that far. You don't need to be sexting on your first date. You don't need to be sexting anyway. What are you doing? You've crossed the boundary. You messed up a boundary. And I'm telling you, a lot of hurt will come from that because that boy probably will never go out with you again because you crossed the boundary too fast. So what am I saying? Make sure your expectations are not misplaced. Make sure you have some boundaries in your life. And I promise you that you can develop some really, really good friends for life. So um, uh, there you have it, Virgil. I, I can talk all day, but uh, I'm sure you got some questions or somebody's got some questions about uh, difficult people. Absolutely. Um, this is, this is so, such great insight because Somebody even was writing here in, in the in the, the Q and A chat about how they never saw it from that perspective of how how a, a friend of treason, right, or a difficult person is actually something that could lead us to our destiny. I think that's something that really impacted me as well. Just kind of reading through and hearing these teachings is that 
uh, what we normally want to push away sometimes is part of the process for us to get to our destiny. And that's awesome. I want to just take a moment and say it's great to see people. There's people connected from uh, from Georgia, from South Carolina. We got some people from, uh, of course, from uh, California. We have somebody from Ghana. We have from uh, Manila, Philippines. Uh, uh, we have Florida. We have UK, Oklahoma. Um, we have Nigeria. We have people from uh, somebody from uh, London. We have people from all over the world, all over the states. And we're talking today about Mike Robertson's book, dealing with difficult people without killing them. So I think um, there's already uh, some questions coming in. Uh, we have the Q and A aspect through the uh, through the Q and A uh, capabilities. If you want, if you have a question for Pastor Mike, we'll see if we can get to yours. Let's start with this question, Mike. Uh, it says, you talk a lot about difficult family members in the book. What are the top tips you have for living with a difficult family member, especially one that you're obligated to spend a lot of time with on a regular basis? You know, Virgil, I, <laughs> I, I, I remind people all the time that God gave you a family to remind you there's a devil. <laughs> God gave you a family to remind you there's a devil because the family can bring out devils like nobody else can. Um, I was 15 years old when I ran away from home and I was arrested in New Mexico. And I had to spend some time in jail. And then I was returned to my family in West Texas. And, and when I got there, uh, my dad was such a rough customer, but I'd learned to negotiate right off the bat. I don't know how I got it, but, um, I started to negotiate and I started thinking, how can I um, negotiate? How can I connect with the old guy? How can I be a better son? And I started thinking about ways, how, how can I, uh, what can we do together? He loved working on cars, I was working on cars. And so I would, we found a commonality. Uh, when you're living with a difficult person, you have to find a common project. Find a commonality, something to take up your time, something that you can do together to get your mind off of all the hell that you're going through right now. So I would say, first off, if you could do that, find common ground. And because if you don't learn those lessons in your family, you're just going to have to learn that in your next family. Uh, what David couldn't learn in his family, King David, he had to learn with King Saul. What Joseph, Joseph was, uh, was the, uh, the golden child of his family, carried around on a pillow, had a great uh, multicolored coat his daddy made for him, but his brothers hated him. And what he couldn't learn in his um, uh, biological family, he had to learn in an extended family. So the key is learn it as early as you can. Learn it as early as you can. Connect with people. Find something common. And most of all, invest in a relationship. We don't invest anymore. Most people live with this motto, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. <laughs> what are you going to do for me today? No, you need to wake up and say, what can I do for my family today? How can I bless my mom? How can I bless my dad? How can I be a blessing? And you don't have to do much. Just say kind words. Do something to connect with them on a deeper level. And the last thing about this, Virgil, is my concern about young people. We, we have a 17-year-old in our house. And my concern is isolation. Uh, when 
kids nowadays cannot figure out the adults lives the adults in their lives they will often isolate to rubbing the glass with their iPad or getting on their phone and connecting with uh, the people that aren't going to challenge them to be better and you know I live in Visalia California there are prisons around us 17,000 people are incarcerated within a hundred miles of where I am and uh, a lot of people in our church serve in those prisons and they say the worst form of punishment is isolation. Uh, if they want to destroy a person, just put them in isolation. So I want to say a word to all of my young friends. Try your best to get out of isolation. Go spend time with your family. They're not going to be there forever and, and connect with them on a larger level. Yes, I, I took too long on that question, Virgil. I promise I won't do it again. <laughs> no, no. Hey, you're shooting out gold, and everybody who's connected is loving it, Mike. So you're doing great. Let me go on to the next question. There's there's more questions coming in as we're spe as we're speaking. Um, in the book, you mentioned that our relationships either make us better or worse. What are some signs that the people around you are making you better, and what signs indicate that they're making you worse? Virgil, have you ever left? A relationship or finish talking to somebody and they made you feel really good I mean man yes. I want to reconnect with that guy I want to reconnect with that girl that when I left their presence I just felt a lot better and then there are people that when you leave them you feel like you need to take a bath I mean <laughs> it just made me feel nasty I don't know what it is about that joker but boy I feel some nasty going on there um, I, I, I tell people all the time, especially young people, you have a choice every single day of your life. You are, uh, you're getting in an elevator every day. You're coming in on the fifth floor. And when you walk in that elevator, your relationships are like elevator buttons. You choose every day. Am I going to push my low level friend buttons or am I going to push my high level friend buttons? A lot of times we'll choose fours and threes and twos. We'll go down the uh, scale in our level of relationship simply because we're comfortable. They're not going to challenge us. But I promise you, uh, five years from now, you will be a knucklehead. You will be graduating from the University of Knuckleheads. But if you get in that elevator every day, and why don't you say to yourself, I'm going to go hang out with a seven today. I'm going to go hang out with an eight. It will scare you. And you will want to run home and go back to your low-level thinking friends. But the low-level thinking friends are not going to get you anywhere. And those people that are seven, eight, nine, that scare you a little bit, you ought to get into relationship with those as best you can. Every single day you have that choice. So good. So good. I love that elevator example because it's a very clear visual of a choice that each one of us have every day, no matter what age we are or what season of life we're in. That's great, Mike. So here's a question that somebody wrote in. Um, interesting question. How do you distinguish, and, and, and going, it's kind of connected to this last question. How do you distinguish uh, between toxic people and difficult people? Is there a difference or how do you distinguish between those two? Man, there are just some really toxic people that have been burned in life somewhere. And um, um, we had to let a lady go in our organization this past year. And she just, I don't know what has happened to the young lady. Uh, she messed up our culture. She brought toxicity into the culture and, and um, 
you know, those, those people are, are challenging people. Um, uh, I had a friend that went to the bull ring uh, down in Tijuana. Uh, we're not far from there and to watch the bull fights. And, and it was a horrible thing. He didn't enjoy the abuse of those animals, but he went down and he talked to the bull ring uh, fighters, the bullfighters. And he asked them questions. What is the most important thing you must remember when you're in the ring with that bull? He said, the number one thing you remember is that you keep the cape far away from your body. That people get gored, people die by the horns of bulls when they hold the cape too close to their body. I learned a tremendous lesson by that. When I find toxic people in my life, I make sure the cape is way out there and I'm dodging them. I can see them coming. I'm going to put that cape. I just don't let toxic people get inside me. Um, you know, I got an internal uh, game going on here and I'm in charge of that game. And me, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, my relationship with my Heavenly Father, we are, we're, we're on task. Holy Spirit is telling me that person's toxic, stay away from that person. And boy, do we ever need the discernment of the Holy Spirit to tell us who are toxic people today and to stay away from toxic people because it's just a matter of time. They're going to mess up your culture too. <laughs> so good. So good. Great examples. Let's go on to the next question here, Mike. It says, you talk in the book about honoring those in authority what are some concrete ways we can honor leaders even when we strongly disagree with their decisions? And some of the multiple of the questions that are coming in are kind of in that same line. You know, um, um, Virgil, um, honor is a, I wished I had all day just to talk about honor because um, how you honor people determines how God honors you. Um, you may not like the president. Um, uh, I may not like the president, regardless of your affiliation. If there's a Democrat in office and you don't like them, um, you've, you've got to honor that office because that's the president of the United States. Uh, I have to honor uh, local authorities. They're, they're in charge. Maybe I don't like them at all, but they're in charge. And it's so sad that we live in a culture where many in our media today, they become professional uh, people of dishonor. It's almost like they go out every day investigating how they can dishonor. And that's a sad scenario, testament of our nation today, because uh, I liken it uh, to walk into a building again, and there's, a, there's, there's 10 floors in the building, and there's a spiral staircase, and the only way to change floors is to go down or up the spiral staircase. And I like to think of it like this. Every time I honor somebody in life, I take a step up the spiral staircase. Everything I want in life is at the top of the building, divine healing, good relationships, prosperity, whatever you think is good is all on the top shelf in the top floor of your life. When you honor, you take a step up. When you dishonor, you take a step down. And, and if you continually to dishonor your parents, you continue to dishonor authorities, and you, 
If you speak bad about your church all the time, you're dishonoring, you're taking steps down. One of these days, you're going to find yourself in the basement where everything nasty is hanging out. It's negative town down there, um, cancer, heart disease, nasty relationships, all because you chose a route of dishonor. I'm telling you what, uh, I'm voting for honor, and I will honor to my dying breath because maybe I don't disagree with them. I'm still going to honor because God asked me to honor people. So good. So good, Mike. I just want you to know there's so many questions coming in. A lot of them are kind of interconnected, so I'm trying to kind of connect some of them, but but everything you're responding is, is not only answering the questions, I think is bringing great wisdom. Again, we're talking about the book, Dealing with Difficult People Without Killing Them, uh, which is a good decision for us as Christians to <laughs> do it this way. Thank and we're hearing from uh, author and pastor Mike Robertson. Here's the next question. I'm kind of uniting a few questions here. Uh, can setting boundaries with a difficult person still allow you to love them i want to they write i want to maintain a healthy relationship with a difficult person but also feel a need to stand up for myself and create distance virgil um that's a very good question i appreciate whoever asked it um you your spirit will tell you um that you need to establish boundaries in your life your spirit will tell you when you're going across the line and when you shouldn't be going across the line. And a lot of that has to do with making boundaries with people. If my engine on my car is knocking and there's a real loud noise coming out of the engine of my car, uh, I can do one or two things. I can pull over to the side and, or take it to a mechanic and deal with it, or I can just turn the radio up. I can just turn it up so loud that I don't hear the knocking anymore. I think sometimes we avoid dealing with um, these boundary issues, and those things are going to come back and bite us. They're going to bite us. It's just a matter of time. You should never violate your spirit when it comes to relationship. Uh, and maybe the people around you, oh, uh, some people are so in love and they're so blinded about boundaries. Ask the people that love you the most. Ask some smart people around you. Should I be uh, hanging out with this person or should I put a bigger boundary out there? And uh, uh, boundaries are so important. It's, it's the guardrails of life that keep us from going, falling off the cliff and doing all kinds of damage in our lives. So good. So good. The importance of boundaries. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting, Mike, I'm, I'm getting, even in the, in the queue and the questions that we're getting, some of them are, are very detailed, including mothers-in-law uh, and things like that. Um, we might get, we might have time to get to something like that. Here's a good question that I think would be applicable for all of us that are trying to recognize, recognize this in our lives. The question is, hi, Mike, what is the biggest change we can make within ourselves that will produce the most progress in dealing with difficult people? The biggest change I think that you and I can make, Virgil, or any of us can make, is uh, look to Jesus. <laughs> I know that sounds so simple, but let me, let me unpack that for you a little bit. When um, I think God looked down on the earth one time and he said, man, you have gotten off course on your relationships. I'm going to send Jesus to interrupt all this. And when the New Testament opens up with Jesus, he is teaching a whole different gospel than what they were used to. Uh, 
Uh, they came out of uh, uh, the Old Testament, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Jesus' first message, he walked out there, and the first thing he said, love your enemies. Pray for those who do you wrong. And the disciples looked look confused, and, and they were saying, what are you talking about? We follow Moses. He said, kill him. <laughs> we're coming out of the Maccabean periods. Kill them. We hate these Romans. Kill them too. And Jesus says, no, uh, that's not the way you do it. So Jesus came to help us hit the reset button. And if you need to hit the reset button, pick up some of the writings of Jesus. Uh, read that red letter stuff in the New Testament and start trying to live like he lived. And I promise you, um, he will show you a whole different style. Lastly, about this, you know, when Jesus was, um, uh, Judas had betrayed Jesus, and Jesus was dying on the cross. He went through a trial with Pilate. Uh, he went through the religious leaders. You don't see Jesus trying to evangelize anybody. Jesus is just saying one thing, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They have gotten so far off track. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I think sometimes when we deal with difficult people, we're actually trying to evangelize those people to be more like us. Everybody should have been like Jesus, but he was thinking, you know what? These people aren't where I am. Uh, uh, and, and the example of Jesus to have such a fervent relationship with his heavenly father that he was content with living to the audience of one. And I think that is the key right there. If you can live to the audience of Jesus Christ, follow his teachings, I promise you, he, and when Jesus lived, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he said, I gotta go. And if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, he will counsel you, he will guide you, he will guard you, he will ground you. Oh, my, my advice with you, follow Jesus, get filled with the Holy Spirit. So good. So good, Pastor Mike. You know, uh, as we wrap up uh, our Q&A, and I wish we had time for some more questions. And let me just say, in the book, Dealing with Difficult People Without Killing Them, you're going to find answers. All of you who have sent in questions that we haven't been able to get them to them specifically, man, there's great, there's a wealth of knowledge in this book. Let's close off with, with one more question, uh, Pastor Mike. And maybe it, it might be connected to what you were mentioning right now about really um, just digging into Jesus and, and, and to the Holy Spirit. But somebody, somebody asked here, uh, uh, I think your idea of recharging after dealing with a difficult person is great advice. You talk a lot about that in the book. Uh, leaders rarely have the time and the space to do this for very long, uh, especially in a busy culture and day. What are some specific ways leaders can find this rest time, even if they only have a few minutes between meetings or conversations? Any practical advice there as we close off with this question? Good advice. Uh, good question. Uh, Virgil, um, I live by the mantra, uh, daily diversions, weekly withdrawals, annual abandonments. Daily diversions, weekly withdrawals, annual abandonments. Every single day of my life, I have a daily diversion. I was in the office. I, I lead a mega church. We have lots of employees. Uh, I was in the office yesterday, and I just got out of the office, drove down the road, and went to the park and watched the ducks for about five minutes and came back. Uh, man, that just broke up the day. That recharged me. 
uh, if we don't get recharged, you know, you have your smartphones and if you will turn down the brightness on your phone, your, um, your phone, your charge will last a lot longer. If we will quit trying to be Superman in every situation, thinking we got to save the world right now, you need to save yourself. And if you don't take care of yourself and do your daily diversions, you need a weekly withdrawal. If you're not taking a day off, you got to go do it. I know I'm as busy as you are. You're busy as I am. But if you violate the Sabbath and you violate your daily diversions, and God forbid, if you violate an annual vacation, uh, you're not going to be able to recharge. One of these days, we're going to be picking you up off the side of the road. And all along, God was telling you, you're working yourself too hard. You're burning yourself out. Slow it down, baby. Recharge. I know you're busy. Everybody can recharge on a daily basis. So good. So good. Uh, again, we are uh, talking to pastor and author Mike Robertson, dealing with difficult people without killing them. I think we're going to have time for one more question that I think is a good one here on our questions. But before that, uh, I just want to mention a few opportunities that we want, we want to give everybody who's connected here right now. It's uh, limited time. Uh, but as we promised at the beginning, we are offering everyone here on this call right now uh, the book for free. Mike Robertson's Dealing with Difficult People Without Killing Them for free. Uh, if you just go to MikeDRobertson.com, I believe that our team is putting the link in the chat. You can see the link right in our chat. You can actually use that if you want to share it with somebody you love and you want to help in their leadership or in their relationships uh, send them that link. You could share it on Facebook. You could post it as well on Facebook, this link. Uh, it's going to be a limited time, but we'll be able to get this book absolutely free. We encourage you to go for it. But in addition to that, because a free book is a great offer, especially when it's got such great uh, um, content, but also just anointed content. Um, another great offer that I want to say that you don't want to miss out is we encourage you to upgrade to the Masterclass Bundle. Dealing with Difficult People Without Killing Them Masterclass Bundle. You'll be able to do that as well when you take a look at that page for your free book. And what the bundle includes, obviously the book, it includes the companion guide or a study guide that goes along with the book. And you can kind of write notes and answer some important questions that go along with each uh, chapter. It also includes the Masterclass videos. It's an eight-part online course. So you have the video course as you're reading the book and going through the material, hearing from, past, from Pastor Mike directly in those teachings, uh, following along, obviously, in the companion guide, and some additional content that is very, very powerful. You don't want to miss out on this. Uh, tag it on. When you go for your free book, I suggest tag on uh, the Masterclass Bundle. You're not going to regret it. I uh, also want to mention uh, every month in Avail Leadership, we're coming out with new books, new leadership books, new leadership resources. Um, so I want you to make sure that you pay attention when you get to the confirmation page, whether it's just for the free book that you want to get or if you're upgrading to the, to the bundle with the masterclass. Uh, pay attention to the confirmation page because there's an additional offer that I promise you, you do not want to miss Honestly, it's a no-brainer. Uh, it's an avail leadership offer that you're not going to want to miss. In fact, it's 100% free as well. Uh, don't miss out on this other free gift. Uh, you can become 
uh, a powerful, strong, uh, progressive, uh, relevant leader in whatever context you find yourself. Believe me, you won't regret it. Uh, Avail is, is, is Avail Leadership is producing some great content, including uh, the Avail Journal. I have one here in a, in a second. Uh, Mike's going to show you one that's got uh, it's got him on the cover with his new book as well. We're excited about all these opportunities. You don't want to miss it. Um, again, what's your options? Just get the free book. No questions asked. Get the free book. Click on that link. You can upgrade to the Masterclass Bundle, which has a companion guide, the online uh, videos, eight-part series. Awesome, by the way. I've had a chance to already go through those. It's a blessing in my life. And it also has just some more powerful content that you're going to enjoy on the confirmation page. There's another offer and some more free things that we want to offer. So what a blessing to have Avail Leadership. Again, Avail Leadership exists to produce resources for the Christian leader. Uh, you don't want to miss it. And so uh, with that being said, Mike, uh, it, it, you can hold up that magazine here when you come for this next question. I want to ask this last question. Um, somebody wrote here. I, I, I highlighted it here. Let's see. It says here, this is a good question. How do you connect to and lead people who don't respect you and want you to lead them for their own personal reasons and that don't actually want to connect with you. I, I, I think I'm hearing a little frustration here, maybe from a leader somewhere, right? How do you connect and lead people who don't respect you um, and, they don't, and they, they don't actually want to connect with you, it's just their own personal reasons or maybe it's just business, so to speak? Yes, yes. Um, the, um, I, I, I think one of the, the, the best things that you can do in that situation is, is simply be a generous person when it comes to those people that disrespect you. Um, I, asked a, I asked a lady that worked for us yesterday, I said, can you tell me who my enemies are? And she said, no. I said, that's because I treat my enemies the same way I treat my friend. And I treat everybody with respect. Even those that disrespect me, I treat them with respect. Maybe part of the problem is, is sometimes we, as leaders, we treat those people who work for us with disrespect. And, you know, everybody can sense it when they're being disrespected. Even a dog knows when you don't like them. So they will shy away from you. Um, so I would say you're the leader you be very generous. You need to invest in those people around you. Invest, invest, invest. Take them uh, out to dinner, buy their meal. Uh, uh, the Bible says your gift will make a way for you. If you'll start giving things to people and blessing people, and so people will change their mentality about you, they will start seeing you as a blessing to be around rather than a person to be disrespected. So, um, hey, Verdra, I, I agree with you. Um, there, I don't know why you guys put this ugly mug on the front of this magazine, uh, <laughs> but when you get inside this, there are some really wonderful articles in there. Dr. Sam Chan is in there. Uh, uh, oh, man, there is just so much good stuff uh, throughout this whole avail. I, I hope people just... If they don't buy the book, I hope they just get a subscription of the magazine because this is going to be a quarterly magazine that has just this gold in it. Uh, if you're a leader, and I believe everybody is a leader, if you're a mom at home, uh, if you're a, a, a student, if you're a boss, 
Everybody is leading somebody. And main thing is you're leading yourself. And the more you can learn about leadership principles, the better off you are. I would grab a hold of the, an edition of Avail. If you can't do anything else, get the Avail magazine. Do whatever you can to be a better leader. Because when the leader gets better, everybody around them gets better as well. So good. Hey, uh, Mike, we're about to close off this Q&A. And somebody asked a very good question. And if you want, you can answer this last question and you can wrap us up and let everybody go after this. And it's been a great time together. But here it is. Can this book and this study be used as a small group study? Great question. Yes, yes. Uh, once again, we designed it uh, with a study guide to go right alongside it. We designed it also with uh, multiple videos of like 10 minutes. You can play a 10 minute video in a small group. You have your book as your companion guide. And if you're a leader, you have the little workbook as a companion guide. These guys at Avail, they put together a very sweet package and it makes a small group uh, very easy to run. Matter of fact, we're gonna use it for our church as well in the days ahead. And it just, it just made everybody's job a whole lot easier for all the work that Avail has done. And uh, yes, perfect, perfect, perfect question because it works for you. So, uh, hey, I just want to finish off by encouraging everybody to be the best they can be. Um, you, the U.S. Army used to have a slogan, be all you can be. Be all you can be, baby. Uh, be the best you can be. Um, get this internal uh, uh, game going on with, it's called you. Uh, I don't know if I'm using the right word, but work on you. And I promise you, invite Holy Spirit, invite Jesus, be a word-carrying believer. If you're not in a church, get in a church that believes the word of God, that is spirit-filled. And when you get in one of those kinds of churches, God begins to make you a whole different person. Everything I am today, I owe it to the church. He gave me my best relationship, gave me wisdom way beyond my years. So my encourage is to have everybody uh, connect on that level. So all I would say, Virgil, in closing is that the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord watch over you, the Lord may his face shine upon you, keep you from the evil one, and may everybody that listens to me, may you walk around today with a high expectation that God is for you and not against you. Thank you for joining us as we discuss maximizing the difficult relationships in our lives. We hope you continue the conversation with us. To order your copy of Pastor Mike Robertson's book, Dealing with Difficult People, head over to availleadership.org forward slash Robertson. In addition, learn more about Avail and all the unique resources we have to offer leaders, including the Dealing with Difficult People Masterclass at availleadership.org. Have a great day.